Hey, Connection Point, most of you know and have a deep love for Pastor Clarence Moore. Uh, Pastor Clarence has spoken at our church a number of times. Every time you preach at Connection Point, you bring the Word of God, and I know people are encouraged. So many of our people know you from a distance, uh, know who you are, have an awareness that you've been in ministry for 40 years. And I've had the privilege of getting to know you, uh, still not as much as I'd like to, but starting to get to know you at lunches and in phone conversations. And I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to hang out today. I know we were joking earlier that, uh, you know, typically I uh, dress down a little bit when I <laughs> preach, and typically in your congregation, uh, you've yes. got a suit and tie. And yes. and uh, we were joking that we kind of met in the middle here. That's right. <laughs> I think that's, that's what this conversation is all about. That's right. Somehow meeting in the middle. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And I was praying for you as I was driving over here, and God brought two passages of Scripture to mind. One is in 1 Corinthians 12. It says, if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. And I know, you know, as a pastor of a church that is predominantly white in a predominantly white community, uh, but having an African-American daughter and African-American friends, I have some awareness, though I'm I'm aware that my awareness is not what it should be of the hurt that our African-American brothers and sisters are feeling right now. And so really this conversation for me and for us as a church is about listening We want to listen and we want to understand if one part of the body hurts, the whole body hurts. Uh, Tell us a little about the hurt that's going on right now. Yeah. First, let me say to Pastor John, I thank you for uh, the wisdom um, of the Christ-like approach to making your congregation uh, aware of uh, some of the needs of the total body of Christ and how, how the total body of Christ is feeling. You know, from where I sit, um, I think we're, we, we just experienced a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. COVID-19 hit, the pandemic hit, and as you know, and as many know, that uh, that particular uh, virus has uh, disproportionately affected the uh, people of color, yeah. uh, more so than, than our white brothers. Uh, and then here comes the economic tsunami, mm-hmm. where 40 million, People have lost their jobs. Of course, African-Americans are the uh, last hired and the first fired. Mm. And so we, and plus, we have a lot of people in the service arena who drive buses and clerks and those kinds of things. And so uh, they are more exposed to the virus. And then you also have now this uh, pandemic of police brutality, which uh, uh, is now front and center. And so all of these things are beginning to continue to aggravate and exacerbate uh, the plight of black America uh, in our country. And I think the church uh, needs to be part of the prescription that's right. and the solution. That's right. I know that's our, our prayer as brothers is that the church would be um, an agent for change in the world, but we, we can't change the world for the better to be more like the kingdom of God if the body of Christ hasn't fully changed to become like the kingdom of God. Absolutely. I think in in my experience, you know, I was born in the suburbs, was raised in a predominantly white uh, city, 
And I've worked and studied in some urban areas where it's been more diverse. But you know, one of the things I run into with um, my own upbringing and, and some, I think probably some of the people at, at Connection Point would relate to this, is this idea of, well, you know, my, my great-great-grandpa fought in the Civil War for the Union. Uh, you know, slavery ended. Uh, we live in the North. You know, our ancestors didn't have slaves. In fact, some of our ancestors really fought to end slavery. So, so what does this have to do with me now <laughs> is what some people might be thinking. Yeah. Uh, would, would you, you know, gently start to wake us up of what it does have to do with us now? I mean, what has it been like for African Americans from, you know, 1865 the, you know, slavery ended, but it's not like the world was equal the next day yeah. until now. And what's it like to be an African-American believer today? Yeah. You know, it, it, when you think about, uh, you know, we're in this season of Pentecost mm-hmm. and and we all know that the environment in which Pentecost came, the Bible said that they were all on one accord, mm-hmm. all on one accord. A few days after Christ ascended to heaven. Something has happened between the time that they were all on one accord. And the scripture said that though they were all Jews, they were from every nation under the heaven. So that there was a melting pot, a rainbow coalition of of believers who heard the gospel and and actually, um, you know, went all over the world to spread the gospel. Somewhere between there, the depravity Mm -hmm. of of mankind Mm -hmm. took place. Um, And so... Here we are after 400 years. I think my people were enslaved in this country almost 244 years. Then another 100 years of Jim Crow and all the other systematic things that was put in place to keep a certain people down. And to say uh, that somehow once the Emancipation the Proclamation was, you know, was pronounced that, okay, you guys just go and be like us. No, 244 years of free labor. Mm-hmm. My daughter works at a small company and um, one of her coworkers came in, a, a beautiful young white uh, young lady who had just been hired by the company. They were having to get ready to have a meeting and she, she uh, said to everybody, oh my God, she says, oh, my, uh, my in-laws just paid off all my student loans. And somebody else on the other side of the table said, well, how much was that? She said $120,000. Well, she looked at my daughter who was sitting on the other side of the table and she looked at her and saw that my daughter was not necessarily celebrating. And she said, oh, you don't, don't, don't get it wrong, Kristen. Don't get it wrong. My, my forefathers worked very hard to be able to have. And my daughter said to her, oh, don't you get it wrong. Don't you get it wrong. My forefathers worked very hard too, but they got paid nothing. Yeah, that's right. That is the reality and the framework from which we're trying to rebuild when it comes to looking at racism and the injustices uh, that are still very prevalent in America. So would you help, you know, what's it like when you see a a white Christian who's well-intentioned and they're like, oh, Clarence, I love it when you preach and they give you a hug. Right. They have no idea that they say that and then they go on their way and, and they don't know what it was like to grow up as an African-American man in our society. They don't know what it's been like for 30 years to be a senior pastor of an African-American church. And I imagine that time, church after church of predominantly white people reaching out saying, we wanna partner, we wanna work together. And it's a lot of hugs and smiles and see you laters. Yeah. Just 
open our eyes. Tell us yeah. what it has felt like and what it feels like today. When I was in college, uh, I had the privilege of leading a group we called the Neo-Black Society on the campus of the University of North Carolina. Well, we were the minority, and most of the school funding to the student organizations were given to, the, to our white kids, mm -hmm. and they had all of the um, you know, singing groups and all the cultural kind of amenities yeah. that, that they enjoyed, and we were kind of felt like, well, we, we are students here too, yeah. so we had to fight for, for funding. And, and so I was able to secure funding to bring to speak to our city Dr. Martin Luther King, Sr. Wow. And he said something to me I'll never forget. Sitting across the table from this icon, I'm a 21-year-old 20, man. He's in his 70s at that time. And he said this, I gave my son up. My, I sacrificed my son that you would be able to go to this school. Hmm. And he said, and I, I really appreciate the invitation that you've allowed me to come and to speak to people. I thought about Jesus Christ being the son that God gave up to come and die for not just America, not just for black people, but for all people in all nations. And how, as Jesus dwelt among us, Pastor John, he would break down certain barriers. Mm -hmm. Remember when he said this, I must needs go through Samaria? Mm -hmm. When the Jewish people, the dominant people mm -hmm. in, in the religious arena at that time, would go all the way across Jordan right. and go up to keep from dealing with those people. Mm -hmm. Of a different race. Of a different race. Yeah. And we know why, because when Jesus met with the woman at the well, the woman at the well said to Jesus, why are you talking to me? Mm -hmm. You Jews have no dealings with mm -hmm. us. She didn't say, we have no dealings with you. Yeah. No, but you guys have yeah. the problem. You have no dealings with us. So we know there was a race, uh, a race issue That's going right. on there. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaritan. Mm -hmm. You think, what, you know what he was saying? Samaritan lives matter. That's right. That's right. Not just Jewish lives, mm -hmm. but Samaritan lives matter. Yes. And he spent time talking to that woman Amen. about, you know, eternal life. Amen. I, I love that because probably everyone watching this conversation knows the parable of the good Samaritan. That's right. Where a person of a different race than Jesus was. Right. And a different race than all the religious church-going people. Yes, you know? absolutely. Uh, where there was <laughs> racial tension. Jesus tells a story to illustrate the heart of God, and he specifically weaves in two different races, and he specifically shows that human nature apart from God is that priest who says, oh, I, I'm the ambassador from God. I've got all these holy clothes on. I'm a priest. And then faith. the Levite. That faith, right? Right. But they walk around. No action. Right. He's hurting. He's bleeding. Yes. He's laying on the ground. And they walk around him. And for the white church, if we're honest, how easy, especially living in the suburbs, for us to just say, I, I don't want to think about that, you know? 
And but we've got to push ourselves. We say over and over again, Christ is the leader of our church. Right. Our standard for right and wrong. It's not what society's doing. Uh, it's not any nation. It's the word of God. And right there, the word of God, over and over, Jesus says, the law and the prophets are fulfilled in this. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. And then he tells an illustrative story like the Good Samaritan. He says, here's what the heart of God is. When you see someone of a different race who you can't relate to, this is where it takes the heart of God in us rather than our own human nature. Because in our human nature, when we fully understand someone and fully relate to them, it's easy to have empathy for them. When we don't understand them, they look different, they sound different, they talk different, it takes the spirit of God to have that same kind of empathy. And in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus says, here's the spirit of God. Yes. Person who doesn't look like you, doesn't talk like you. Maybe you've been wronged by someone who looks like them. They're bleeding on the side of the road and you don't walk around. Right. You go to them. And what do you do? You go to them and you pick them up. Yes. And you bandage their wounds. Yes. And you carry them to a place of healing. Yes. And you put your own money on the table. That's this right. is all from Jesus' story. Yeah. I'm not making this That's up. Right. This is Jesus saying, Absolutely. you carry them to a place of healing and you put your money on the table to say, you know, whatever it costs to rehabilitate this person, bill me. Yes. That's what Jesus said. Put it on my master charge. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Now think about the premise. How the, how the whole thing got started, Pastor John. The young ruler asked the question, what must I do Mm. to inherit eternal life? He wanted his faith to get him into heaven. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, well, you know, you you've studied, you've gone to seminary. You ask that question. Mm -hmm. He says, oh, he reared his head back and he quoted Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus, I think, 17, that latter part, because Jesus had already taught that the Uh greatest commandment is to love the Lord thy God what, with all thy heart, all That's thy right. soul, you know, all that. And then he says, and to love thy neighbor right. as thyself. Notice this. He didn't say love thy brother. Mm-hmm. But love thy what? Neighbor. That's right. That's neighbor right. is a more inclusive group of people. Mm-hmm. People that may not look like you. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus tells this revolutionary story. Shocked everybody yeah. that the Samaritan was the hero in the story. That shook the foundation and the premise mm-hmm. of Jewish privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that we have to understand Jesus, when he went to, through Samaria to meet that woman, he jeopardized his privilege. Mm-hmm. In essence, he jeopardized his safety. Mm-hmm. But he said, I must need go through That's right. Samaria because Samaritan lives matter. That's right. That's right just as Jewish lives matter. That's right. Because I say Samaritan lives matter, doesn't mean I'm not saying nobody else's lives matter. That's right. That's right. That's something we got to really work on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a people. I I feel like there's this, um, we live in such a divisive society. Yeah. And, of course, lots of sociologists writing about, you know, I've seen it as a journalist, even the way the news media has changed in the last 15 years, uh, social media, each of these are designed to highlight differences and radical opinions. Absolutely. And so um, <laughs> the attempt to find a, a news channel that just, you know, kind of hears the news, it's always going to yeah. come from a point of view. Yeah. And it's all been curated to meet us where we're comfortable yes. and then take us to a more extreme and radical version of where right. we're comfortable. That's true. There's, there's nothing that is pointing to the center. <laughs> And I think one of the challenges in that is it dumbs us down. 
And right. so I think people are afraid to say Black Lives Matter because they think it is all this political baggage. And then they've got black brothers and sisters in our own church and in our community who are saying, we're crying over here. We've inherited all this difficulty. We're bleeding. We're punched in the gut over and over. All we want you to say is my life matters, but it's just this politically loaded term. And so help us with any of that, either seeing people as individuals or separating out. Don't be so afraid of the politics. Just say the word of God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I applaud you, Pastor John, because the articulation of what you just said coming from a white person and a, a, a white man of influence. It's going to be critical as mm-hmm. we go forward. You and I were talking a little bit earlier, and I was saying this cannot be a moment. Mm-hmm. This, this, this situation we're in now cannot be a moment. It has to be a movement. And, 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 and we have to imagine a different world. Mm-hmm. What is so beautiful about what I'm saying is saying the young white people and young black people in the streets mm-hmm. together. Yes. Yes, that's so that's why we have to make a movement here, because if we don't, I, I'll be very frank and transparent. I met with um, one of the uh, elders from a white church came mm-hmm. to take me to lunch and he wanted to partner with me. He wanted me to help him find some talent so they could integrate their staff. Mm-hmm. And so we're eating and I look across the table at him. I said, so why? Why do you as a white man want to talk to me as a black man about picking someone to join your team that's mm-hmm. African-American? What, what's going on, man? Mm-hmm. You know what he said to me? Took a few bites of his meal. He said, our children. Our children are saying to us, yeah. we've got to find a better way. Yeah. We've got to imagine a different world. Mm-hmm. We've got to reconstruct something that we're... Our neighbor is our brother, where love does carry the day. Regardless of one's pigmentation or one's, um, you know, skin color. You know, Dr. King said, talked about this beloved community where a man is judged not by the color of his skin, Mm -hmm. by the content of his character. And we allow people to divide us. See, it's offensive for a black person to hear a white person described Black Lives Matter and, and rioting in the same mm-hmm. phrase. Yeah, we're called to a higher standard. A higher and, standard. You know, what I've seen and experienced so much um, in social media and in my own life in the past, if I'm honest, and I probably still do it in ways that I'm not aware of, is story, story comes up, here's the headline. You know, um, black man killed while in custody. And immediately, we all start to bring our own assumptions or questions. And what, it, what that is is saying, I want to sit in my cocoon of comfort, and I don't want to think about changing anything. I've got my lazy boy. I've got my little kingdom. I'm comfortable. Don't challenge my thinking. Absolutely. And that's the opposite of when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Yep. If that was yourself, if that was your son... Who's, who was having an elbow or a knee to the neck, if that was your son, you, you would have an opinion. And so... I mean, you, you yeah. had, uh, what's his name? 
Mr. Dillon, who went into the Emmanuel Mother Church yeah, right. at a prayer service, right. and shot over killed. South Carolina, yeah. He comes out, no one threw him down. Yeah. No one put a knee to the neck. Matter of fact, on the way to the jailhouse, they stopped at Burger King. Yeah, yeah. You talk about a picture of, of, mm. of the different way, this yeah. man killed people. Yeah. George Floyd was accused of, and I'm not sure if it's true or not, yeah. of, of having a counterfeit $20 bill. Right. You know, I may have counterfeit money in my pocket. Right. I don't even know what that I have. Right. I may go and, because yep. I go in stores now and people do like this with the, my bills. Uh-huh. I don't know. If they say, yeah. oh, this counterfeit, I would say, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Right. My point is, that is exactly what African-Americans yeah. feel. Yeah. How many of your congregants, let me say this, connection point, yeah. connection point. How many of you have had a conversation with your children about how they should conduct themselves in case the police stop them. Mm-hmm. You know, we have that conversation with our children about every day. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. It's, we have to acknowledge that we have an inequity yeah. in our system yeah. that we must, we can't face, it's gonna break God's heart mm-hmm. if yeah. we don't find a way yeah. to make sure that not only are we our brother's keeper, mm-hmm. but we are our neighbor's mm-hmm. sustainer. That's right. We have to be there for one another. That's right. We have to. That's right. One of the beautiful pictures I love in, in Connection Point is uh, we've got a dear African-American brother named Josh, and we've got a lot of really noble police officers in our community who worship at our church Yes. And Josh is really close friends with one of those white police officers, a guy <laughs> in our church named Kevin. And I've thought about Josh and Kevin's relationship and that, you know, this is the picture for the world to see. We are to be the place, Absolutely. the church is to be the place where people can see a white police officer and an African-American male Worshiping side by side, absolutely holding hands, uh, you know, in prayer or or being in a huddle together in prayer, and and it's it's got to start with us. But you know, it was humbling earlier when you said for a a, a a white male in a position of influence like I'm in to be initiating this conversation. And I hope our congregation understands that it's intentional that we're not at connection point right now. Right. It's intentional that we are where you. And you are. asked me. You said, yeah. Pastor Clarence, where should we do it at? You want to? I says, No. I want you to come to a New Era. Yeah. Because we're sitting in a spot yeah. that historically, over a hundred years ago, used to be the location or the headquarters of the KKK. Wow. So that's you and incredible. I are sitting in a space in our sanctuary that's built on top. It's documented. Wow where the KKK got started in Indiana. Wow. And I felt like this conversation yes. would be the best place, would be right here at a New Era Church. Amen. We're in a new era. That's right. What we need is a connection point. That's right. Between black and white people that we can better our society. Amen. Amen. Somebody go ahead and text that, tweet that. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's we're right. in a new era. Yes. Well, we need a connection point. Amen. So that we can make this world a Amen. better place. You know, when you affirmed me and saying you're using your position as a white male with influence yeah. to listen, 
That's right. That, where I want to encourage our people is this, you have more influence than you think. I don't wake up in the morning and think, I'm a white person of influence, you know? I just think I'm John and I'm a nerd right. and I'm, you know, all these yeah. weird things that I don't like about myself. Yeah. I don't think of myself that way. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in our, our congregation, they probably don't think of themselves to realize you're a person of influence yep. in your family, in your social media. And so will you, will you reach out? Will you go out of your comfort zone and say, I'm going to go to your space. I'm going to listen. And heaven knows I don't do this perfectly. But I got to say, like, even just driving in here and walking in here, um, my eyes are more open than if we were having this conversation at Connection Point. Yeah. And yes. then you telling me that, yeah, the foundation, the basement of this building was the Ku Klux Klan headquarters in Indiana. Yes. How beautiful of God yes. that he could take a foundation that was laid with yes. an intent of hatred and yes. racism, yes. and he could redeem it. Yeah. And he could build another level on top of it where we are, Absolutely. where a body of Christ, yes. reading the word of God, full of the spirit of God, of the very race that was supposed to be persecuted, yes. is now worshiping on that foundation. Absolutely. Can I share something with you? You yeah. don't know this. Maybe, you do. Maybe I did share this with you. The day after of the Floyd murder, mm. Yeah, it was a murder. I got an email from a member at Connection Point, mm. signed by a husband and a wife. Mm. I could hear the tears in mm. their eyes because I was crying. I was hurting. I was angry. Yeah. And I think sometimes we need to sit in our anger, mm -hmm. but not allow it because even Jesus That's right. at some point Use righteous indignation. Oh, yeah. Remember, Drove he went into the whip. church with a yeah. whip. <laughs> Jesus right. turned over some tables. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, his faith and his action That's was right. in display. But it was a Connection Point member that wrote mm -hmm. me. I was in, in Texas wow. when all this was going on and, 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 and poured out their heart mm. as to what can we do. Yeah. And, and that's why I called you. Yeah. And you were trying to call me. Yeah. But it was a member of your church. And I thought that was an incredible gesture mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of somebody that gets it. Yeah. That we can no longer live in a world where it's us and them. Mm -hmm. We've got to find a way. That's right. That we can do this together. That's right. And transactional things, feeding mm -hmm. the poor, helping kids, black kids do their homework. That's good. Baking cakes and encouraging. That's good. But what about the transformational aspects? Right. White evangelicals can no longer stay silent yeah. Yeah. at this time. That's right. You have the power. Mm -hmm. You have the resources. Mm -hmm. yeah. God gave them to you. That's right. We got to use them. That's right. In a godly way. That's right. Amen. That's right. You know, we talk about these phrases that matter so much, but that are, I think, very triggering and politically loaded for a lot of suburban white Americans. Black Lives Matter is one of them. Yeah. That everyone I know in our church would say, of, of course they do. I just, not everyone, but some would say, <laughs> everyone would say, of course they do. Yes, right. Some would say, um, but I don't want to, you know, post that on social media because then people might associate me with all this other stuff. Right. 
similar with the term white privilege, and I'm not here to try to you know convince everyone about a term. <laughs> I know there's a there's there's going to be political baggage with any term. Sure. But let's get back to the Word of God and His terms. He says, "To whom much is given, much is required." Absolutely. I'm a white male. More has been given to me. And I didn't grow up in a family that had money. My family didn't pay for college, right. you know. So I remember having times where I thought, well, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm white, but like I, I, no one paid for me to go to college. No one, you know, and, and times that I, and I needed to work through all that. But it took me years to realize, well, yeah, it's true. I, I did work hard in those ways. But every job interview, every time someone saw my resume, they saw an Anglo name, yeah. you know, and the, and the studies are out there. If you send out, you know, two identical resumes and you write Jamal at the top, right. and it's not going to get as many uh, job offers. Right. That's just the reality. It's taken me years to realize that, to open my eyes to it. And, you know, I we, just... Yeah, we can't deny that. that yeah. There is empirical, historical yeah. data that says that... America is founded and has systematic yeah. injustices. Yeah. It's, it's who she is. It's not who she has to, be, has to mm. uh, stay, yeah. but it is who she is. There are just some historical protections here yeah. Yeah. that are built in yeah. for white people. Uh, and those same historical barriers are built in for black Against. and brown people. Yeah, that's And right. we have to acknowledge that. That's right. If, if we're going to be true to ourselves and hear Jesus say one, one day, well done, thy mm -hmm. good and faithful servant. That's right. Now, we need everybody to do something. That's right. Just do your part. That's right. In your little world of influence. Yes. And then that incremental change that's right. We'll move us to the place where, again, Dr. King calls that beloved community, mm -hmm. where we are yes. loving our neighbor. I know that's what, our, I know it's what our people want. Yes. I know it's what you yes. and I want. Yes. You know? yes. I think of Ephesians 5 where Paul's, you know, he's talking about husbands and wives in the context, but he says, you know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, laid down his life for the church. And it says, no one hates his own body. Mm. But he That's feeds right. it and cares for it. And, and really what we're talking about today is not a political movement. It's not a, um, and some people might express it in that way, and that's fine. Mm -mm. But yeah. uh, we're not talking about Republican or Democrat. Mm -mm. We're not talking about elections. We're mm -mm. not, um, what we're talking about is actually being the body of Christ. Right actually loving our neighbor right. and actually doing that principle of Ephesians 5, if you truly love your neighbor as yourself, well, you know, you all ate breakfast this morning. You, you all, you take care of yourself. <laughs> and if you've got, you know, a deep wound, you go and get it healed. Uh, you go to a doctor if you have to. You know, it's yeah. painful to clean out a wound. And especially if the wound is infected and you, a surgeon's got to get in there and, and get the dirts or rock or whatever debris is in there that started the infection and the bacteria. And I mean, help us, well, help I, us clean this wound <laughs> up. You know? that's, that's a great, that's a, that's a great uh, analogy. Uh, I was talking to one of our members who teaches African-American studies at IUPUI, Dr. Joseph Edmonds. Um, and he made a very profound statement. He says, he says, 
it's not enough for white people to say that I'm not a racist. Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of them aren't. Yeah. But they need to become anti-racist. That's right. Yeah. That's the difference between faith. That's right. And action. That's right. I'm not a racist. Okay, I'll give you that. But are you an anti-racist? That's right. Dr. King said this. He says, we will not remember the words of our enemies. Mm-hmm. We will remember the silence of our friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the silence of our friends mm-hmm. that allows the perpetuation that becomes the, they become complicit. Mm-hmm. Yep. In that wound, not healing. Yeah, that's right. That's that's what we need. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're not a racist, but the next step is how do I become an anti-racist? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's where we got to get to. That's why it's so wonderful to see our white and black brothers and sisters in the streets yes. saying that yes. Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and that means all lives matter. That's right. Yeah. You know, a fire truck pulls up into a cul-de-sac with five houses because somebody said my house is on fire. Mm -hmm. Because he puts water on the house on fire, that means that the other houses doesn't matter. That's right. It's just that this house is on fire. That's right. And that's all the Black Lives Matter movement is saying. We're on fire. We're dying in the streets. Yeah. We matter too. That's right. Just like the other houses that are not on fire. That's right. Yeah. That's such a great analogy because you're not saying the other houses don't matter. And here's what I've been guilty of in the past and what I see so often from my white brothers and sisters. The, the, the black house is on fire. Mm-hmm. The fire trucks show up. Yeah. And they're saying, well, well but, but my house matters too. Right. <laughs> and and, and it's like right the now. firemen are like, yeah, okay, we don't disagree. <laughs> right. But I, I, I've been guilty of that. I, I, not recently, but I, in years past, sure. before I had an African-American daughter, and this was all far, far away from oh. me, I remember, I remember thinking, I wouldn't have posted it, but thinking, of course black lives matter, but all lives matter. The Bible's clear, God hates racism. And if we just say, well, I'm not a racist, like you said, Clarence, good for you. <laughs> but here's the thing, God hates racism. That's right. He hates it. And I remember my daughter the other day asked me, um, Dad, is it okay for me to hate Satan? Because she had had a babysitter who told her, don't ever use the word hate. I said, well, let's look at the word of God, you know. Um, he hates sin. God yeah. hates evil. Yeah. He hates it. Yeah. And, you know, we're told over and over, have the heart of God, have the mind of God. This is where unity comes from. There are things God loves and there are things God hates. Yeah. And those are defined for us in the word of God. And God hates racism. He hates murder. And so what a shame if we're so afraid of, well, if I say that, someone might think I belong to a different political party or, you know what? Paul said in Galatians 1.10, if I'm the servant of Christ, I no longer live to please people. And a servant of Christ has to hate what God hates and love what God loves. Um the church will live out its true mm-hmm. creed and commandment mm-hmm. and become kingdom-minded yes. to yes. the place that we are not so preoccupied with our um, station in life, mm-hmm. but that we begin 
uh, to spend more time thinking about eternal life. Amen. And let's put more action mm -hmm. into loving our neighbor mm -hmm. as we love ourselves. Yeah. Not just talk about it. That's right. But actually walk about it. Mm -hmm. And let's not allow this to be a moment. Let's not just listen. Mm -hmm. That's the beginning. That's right. Step Once on. we listen. Yeah. Once we do some soul searching, mm -hmm. then ask yourself this question. What can I do mm -hmm. to make our society yeah. more equitable? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to encourage our congregation, just be asking God to show you what steps to take. Um, we're, we're starting a thing in a couple weeks here for those of you who want to listen. You can text the word listen to the number on the screen. And what we're going to have is an event where African-American brothers and sisters you know, from Connection Point. These aren't people we're flying in from somewhere else in the country. These are people who are part of our church family. We're going to have some sessions where those of us who want to listen show up and we'll probably share some food and have a good time. But we're going to listen. We're going to keep our mouths closed. We might ask some questions to get the conversation started, but we're going to listen. What does it feel like to be an African-American person and live in Brownsburg? What does it feel like to be an African-American person in a community that's, you know, 90-some percent white people? What does it feel like to be a person of color at Connection Point? What does it feel like to be a young person of color and, and in your small group, everyone else is white. What do these things feel like? And the reason we're having these conversations is not for political reasons. It's because we're the body of Christ. So if you want to be part of those conversations, if you want to listen in those conversations, text the word listen to the number that we'll put on the screen. You know, um, what does it feel like? Yeah. What does it feel like when you're the person crying out in pain and a white brother or sister just ignores it or explains it away. Yeah, I mean, it's dehumanizing. Yeah. It's frustrating. Um, it's painful. Yeah. You know, and what you want is not a handout. Mm -hmm. But can you take a little um, a survey mm. of why I'm in the condition I'm in. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I've, you've heard me say often that there's nothing wrong with the seed. Mm. It's the soil that the seed is born mm. in or thrown in. Mm. And unfortunately, the soil in white America, for the most part, is richer and mm. more nourishing. Mm has irrigation systems, mm -hmm. good amount of fertilization. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you have the seed that's thrown in the African-American community for mm -hmm. the most part, no water, mm -hmm. very little fertilization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet you expect that plant to grow like this plant. Mm -hmm. And then this plant looks down on that plant because it's not wow. growing like, wow. and you had so much more to work with. Um, and that's painful for this child here who mm -hmm. says, wow, you, you're blaming me for where I am and who I am, but 
historically, yeah. I'm who I am and where I am because of things yeah. that were outside yeah. of my control. And That's so right. it's hard. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I, hey, the African-American church has, has been the, the, the hope. And the, I mean, yeah. the birth of the black church is because the white Christians would not allow us to be equal. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that right? Mm. We had to create our own churches, mm. our own colleges, mm. our own schools. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is a long history. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I love that and now that picture you gave of the seed and the soil. You take two totally equal seeds, the same character, equal seeds, right? But one's in a rocky soil that's not irrigated. One's in a rich soil that is. Yeah. None of us picks where we're born. No. You know, right. and so for those of us who were born in this more nourishing soil of being a white person in America, to acknowledge that a person who might be a lot harder worker and better person than me, born in the dry, rocky soil of a different community, right. just to acknowledge that difference and right. then to say, I have a responsibility to love, to listen, to help. Just acknowledge God has given some of us what he hasn't given others of us. Right. And you read the book of James, you read the whole New Testament, and the expectation is that in the body of Christ, we are aware. And when a brother or sister has a need, we meet the need and we give from our abundance to meet the lack. And sometimes that's financial, but right now it's a lot of emotional, relational, um, and the other things we've, that we've talked about. Absolutely. And again, I want to applaud our, our white um, young people mm -hmm. uh, for uh, helping move this paradigm and this par making this paradigm shift. I realize that those white young men and women can fall back into the mm -hmm. privilege system, yeah. out the, you know, yeah. very easily, where our young people will not be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I hope again. Yeah. So you say you're not a racist, good. But can you take another step yeah. and be anti-racist? Yeah. That's what we need from our white brothers and sisters. Amen. And, uh, amen. amen. God has given me the privilege of getting to be the dad to a beautiful African-American girl. Yeah. And her skin is just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. She has the most beautiful skin. And, and of course, my wife uses a lot of lotions and oils and other things yes. to keep it healthy. Yeah, just that's right. Just beautiful skin. Can she do her hair? My wife? Yeah, but it takes all day, man. <laughs> and, and here's what I know. It's not like taking here's a shower. Here's what I know. If it was hair day, I come home very tentatively. <laughs> Just that simple difference, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. She's exhausted at the end. But I love my daughter so much, and, and I love her skin so much. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of a lot of my white brothers and sisters they don't know they don't know what that is because they've never really been able to hug and be kissed by and and just healthy family love they've never had it so they yeah. don't even know what they're missing. That's right. I've been thinking a lot these last couple of weeks about when Jesus stumbled under the weight of the cross. Mm -hmm. And there's a verse leading up to that, you know, the disciples who looked like him and shared his race. It's in Mark. It says, everyone deserted him and fled. Yep. So, I mean, Jesus knows what it's like to be totally alone. 
but in God's providence. That moment where he stumbles under the weight of the cross, who's there? Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene, African. And that in God's redemption story, yeah. think of the strength of African yeah. lineage. Absolutely. The muscular strength, the, the strength of soul and spirit to bear up under what you've been through. Yeah. And that God placed Simon the Cyrene. Of, I mean, seven billion people alive today, billions of people in history, and God looks down unlimited by time. He says, who am I going to pick to carry the cross for my son when everyone has deserted him? Yeah. And he's physically so beaten that yeah. he can't even carry his own torture instrument anymore. Right. Who am I going to send? Right. I'm going to send someone with that beautiful, yeah. beautiful black skin. Yeah. And that deep internal strength that is just, it's like, I, I don't have that strength that you have. Yeah. And I see it in my daughter. and I just love it that God, that yeah. God did that moment, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, that's a powerful illustration of, of black people carrying the cross of injustice. Yeah. We've been carrying the cross of injustice too long and we're tired. We're like Fannie Lou Hamer, who said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. But proximity is a big difference. Mm -hmm. Pastor John has a black child. That proximity is what's pricking you. And, yeah. and I'm telling you, John, as your child grows and you begin to see when she becomes 13 and 14 yeah. and you walk into the school as your father and you hear things mm -hmm. that you may not hear about how they're treating your, your white mm -hmm. kids. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, as a, it's real. As a shepherd of our congregation, I often say, you know, I have 1,500 kids because, you know, we've yes. got 1,500 students and children. And I, I just want to lead our people to think that way. These are our kids. That's right. These are our sons and daughters in the body of Christ. And um, we want them to grow up. We can't control the world. We want to reshape the world, but let's at least control the church. Let's make a church that they grow up in that is way more integrated and favorable and listening and equal um, than Pastor Clarence, what you had to fight through growing up. And let's, let's start there. And then let's let, the, let's let Hendricks County, Indiana, at least see Connection Point as, wow, that's how it should be. That's what it should look like. Instead of the church being the last to wake up and realize this stuff, we should have been the first, and now we should be the first, and, and we should be the strongest picture of here's what this unity really looks like. I, I love how Paul wrote in the book of Galatians, you know, all the races of that time. He says, here in the church, there is not Greek or Jew, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Oh, yes. You know, would you wrap us up with just a, a prayer for us to be the body of Christ that God desires Absolutely. us to be? Yeah. I want to say something yeah. um, to my Connection Point family. Um, the times I'm able to come and preach, um, I want you to know that I, I genuinely love each of you. And I look beyond the historical Injust, injustices that I've experienced as a black man. 
I see you as my brother and my sister. And I want you to know that I feel very, very privileged. I'll use that word to know you and to be a part of your family. And I feel that as um, my job is to, at times, comfort the afflicted <laughs> and to afflict those that are too comfortable. And so I hope that what I've said today, uh, though it may challenge some of you, that it would grow you and move you to become more Christ-like. But that is our ultimate goal. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible time that I've had with Pastor John. Thank you for his heart. Thank you for his boldness. Thank you for even the risk that he's taking to have this very frank and honest conversation about race, racism, and the church. We realize that there are going to be more conversations that must take place for us to become more like that beloved community uh, that you died for. Thank you for those that have listened. Thank you for those that have opened their hearts to grow. And I pray, Father, that you will begin to use the church, the hope of the world, to bring hope in this darkness. Lord knows we need you now. Our country is at a crossroad. We're having all kinds of challenges. Father, we need you to guide us. You said in your word that if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, repent of their sins, then and only then would you hear our prayer and heal our land. May the church be that gap. May the church rather be that bridge mm -hmm. in that gap between the beloved community and the divided community. Mm -hmm. And may we love each other as you loved us. You know, Father, the last words of your son on the cross, was you, he prayed that we would be one. Mm -hmm. That was on his mind when he went to Calvary. My prayer is that they would be one Father, as you and I won. So thank you for this oneness conversation that we're having today. Bless the people of Connection Point and bless the people of New Era Church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.